Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And good afternoon. This is Josh Arnold. Mr. Money Talk with Judd Arnold. Here to answer your questions on stocks, bonds, mutual funds, what you should be doing with your retirement dollars, do give us a call at 952-925-5608. That's 952-925-5608. You always get straight talk, not sugar-coated advice. The market measured by the Dow, measured by the S&P, continues to fluctuate and will definitely continue to fluctuate going through uh, the end of the year as concerns continue about the COVID-19 virus and whether or not there is going to be some solution that will get the economy up and running and or back to normal. Well, early this, this week... There seemed to be some positive news on a solution, on a vaccine that sent the market up on last Monday, 900 points on news that Moderna had some success in some early trials with their vaccine. On Tuesday, this was questioned on Wednesday there was a little more positive information, and by, by Friday, the trusted Dr. Fauci said, yes, this vaccine did show promise, and he believes that by the end of this year that there would be a vaccine available to deal with the COVID-19 virus, a very positive sign, yet... Yet, we still have plenty of bearish sentiment. Cash levels are an all-time high. And, of course, there's concern with valuation. Not to mention, of course, there are still issues with the United States and China as Trump's tweets on trade and tariffs rise to the fore again, despite um, the U.S. trade representatives working through with China on a phase one a trade deal. You still have uh, concerns about Huawei and whether Huawei will be able to get chips, uh, semiconductor chips from U.S. manufacturers because Huawei is considered a unit of the Chinese government, not to mention the U.S. Senate passed uh, some regulations dealing with uh, Chinese shares trading. <laughs> getting, getting kicked off the market. Well, and getting kicked off the market. 
I mean, it's about time with the Chinese. I mean, when you buy a U.S. listed Chinese company, because under Chinese law, foreigners cannot own equity in Chinese businesses. That's so, correct. So, so you, you're you actually, get a you, you don't get the Chinese company. No, you you get a interest in a Bermuda or Cayman Islands holding company. That owns another holding company that owns another com- holding company that may or may not have something at the end of the rainbow in, you know, it, the lo- the legal term is in that box. The lawyers like to draw boxes with arrows and whatnot. I used to be a distressed debt guy. We talk about that box has value. That box uh, doesn't. Um, this was accelerated after the Lunkin Coffee scandal, um, which was recent where they came out as a high-flying IPO with many Wall Street heavyweights in there, by the way, um, who had done a lot of due diligence, presumably. Turns out that they were cooking the books for a multi-billion dollar company. Several years ago, there was a company called Sino Forest that claimed to have, shockingly, lots of forests in China for paper, um, and those forests magically did not exist. And this has been a big focus for a lot of investors for years. And I think at the end, however this is resolved, this will be a positive thing. For most investors, their only exposure to a direct Chinese-listed company is either Alibaba, ticker Baba, or – oh, there we – is that the alarm clock for its Memorial Day? It's Memorial Day. (laughs) Um, It's either Baba or JD.com. We do not have any Chinese-listed companies – in either my model portfolio or yours currently. Um, that, is, that is correct. But have historically, and this is, I, I, we view this as positive in the long run, and to the extent that you get BABA um, at a nice price or JD.com, you know, we're, we're, we're keeping the lens out. I, I think this is a positive thing. The China more general issue is we crossed a threshold this week, which is, if you look at the polling, I think it's 65 to 70% of Americans don't like China, have a negative view of China. And in a political presidential year, that means you're likely to see the Democrats sort of embrace um, Trump's anti-China rhetoric. Not saying whether that's good or bad, not making a political statement on that as an objective investor, knowing how this will impact. I think what we're saying is – to the extent that you have Chinese exposure, and China is very important. It's the second largest economy, will be the largest economy, most likely within the next 10 years. Um, This is something to bear in mind. Um, As we start to go back away from a COVID-dominated news cycle to a presidential and normal news cycle. I, I think one What other, do you mean president this is a normal news cycle? Or well, sorry, news cycle normal invest sorry, normal investment climate where the things we worry about aren't global pandemics. Well, that that is true. The my my concerns earlier this year have been and I've shared this uh, with clients or uh trade with China and the effect of Trump's tweets on trade and tariffs which typically have brought down the market or he actually boosted the market at different times, depending on what the tweet is and the upcoming election. Yeah. And we're getting, we're getting back to normal. Um, so that, that could be. And I, I think let, it's important to also go back. You, you started with Moderna and this is something we've been talking with clients about. We have no view on when a vaccine will come. We believe a vaccine will come. We believe we will have herd immunity. What we are telling clients and how we are investing for them and our own money. We are combined, I think, our, our largest client. Uh, we put our money where our mouth is. 
we our base case is there will be herd immunity or a vaccine by 2022. That's what we're, that's what we say. If we, if there's a company that we're looking at that can't live or succeed in a scenario where we don't have where it needs it before 2022, we're not touching it. And we're hopeful. We believe. I think we both believe it's incredibly likely that we're going to get something before. But owing to our circle of competence, we are not saying that. And moreover, we're focused on those companies that don't need a vaccine till 2022 because it's a free lunch right now. And there's a lot of companies that you can make that you can invest in confidently, believing that 2022 as a worst case is when this thing gets solved. And that's where we want to stick to. And we think it's highly speculative to invest in any company that requires a vaccine or a solution sooner than then. Wow. That's a lot of stuff you just th- just threw through through at, uh, well, at we've me. Been, well, you and I are both, and I think beyond you and I, I think the average layperson um, is a bit of a, is naturally a COVID expert at this point. And it, it's important for us as we've talked through with clients, and we're sure many non-clients out there are thinking the same thing, that is the stock market a COVID versus non-COVID bet? bet? And it really isn't for large swaths. I'll tell you what is a COVID bet, and we're not touching it. Airlines is a COVID bet. If you buy a stock in an airline, you are saying implicitly that there will be a vaccine within the next six months because all these guys are going to run out of cash in eight months. So if you're buying an airline, if that's how you feel, if if you're a scientist and you just know, you should buy all the airlines. We're not that smart. We have no idea. And we're not touching any any of that stuff. It's simply it's it's just too hard. Um, but I I think that's an important thing. Well, I think I, even the air, airlines are preparing for you know no vaccine. I, I don't know how they prepare. They, they have well, I mean they're ninety percent. They're, prepare, they're preparing for no travel or limited travel by passengers. Sure, but what I what I mean for, by that for is a long time you're you're like eighty percent fixed costs. You don't have a ton of money. And every month you're burning away all your money. So by preparing, like, I mean, American Airlines is very likely to be the first airline to file for bankruptcy. But we'll, we'll come back to that in the next. Well, I am not I am not an airline investor to begin with. Thank goodness. But this, this ad, adds to that. Um, so when we come back, we can talk about some of the more issues that are, are affecting the market. And. Whether or not the market is, broadly speaking, overvalued or undervalued. This is Josh Arnold, Mr. Money Talk with Judd Arnold, here to answer your questions on stocks, bonds, mutual funds, what you should be doing with your retirement dollars. Do give us a call at 952-925-5608 or investarnold.com. We're happy to meet with you to discuss your situation and how some of our ideas can be a benefit to you. This is Josh Arnold, Mr. Money Talk with Judd Arnold, here to answer your questions on stocks, bonds, mutual funds, what you should be doing with your retirement dollars. Don't hesitate to give us a call at 952-925-5608. That's 952-925-5608. Or write us 
either Judd or Josh at investarnold.com. Market continues to be very interesting given all the concerns that have been going on, whether it's been trade issues with China, whether it's China-U.S. trade tensions, whether it's the Chinese trying to stifle Hong Kong, whether it's a presidential candidate talking about the need to roll back corporate taxes, or excuse me, roll back to where they were, and increase taxes on corporations and small businesses, whether it's Dr. Fauci becoming optimistic about a vaccine and even saying that the economy must be reopened or there are going to be some dire consequences. Very interesting indeed. Plus, we've got bearish sentiment at an all-time high, cash levels that are a high, and there is a concern with valuation. Now, Judd, we got a question last week. Uh, about the market and the and valuation and why why is this particular investor wanted to know why was his account underperforming not only the uh, s p 500 which was down eight and a half percent and I'll just throw in my model portfolio happens to be up uh, 10.8% net after fees uh, year to date. Yeah, and, and this question, I guess it's one of the most common ones we get uh, when we look on under the hood at you know a prospective client or a new client coming in um, to help asking us to help them understand what's going on with their portfolio. The two biggest drivers of underperformance are a lack of active share, uh, which I'll get into in a second. I was going to ask you, what what do you consider active share? And the second piece is a quote-unquote quality value bias in a portfolio. So, And the two are related. So active share is, is very simple, which is most advisors, especially if you're going to a big bank or a nationally, national firm, they'll have the software and the advisor knows – They'll be able to give you two numbers. One is active share, and two is something called tracking error. And you should ask them, what index or benchmark are you using? Mm-hmm. And most of them use either a Russell 1000, a Russell 3000, uh, or an S&P 500 as a benchmark. Active share is the percentage weights of each constituent in, in the benchmark that they are deviating from. So I'll make that very simple. Microsoft and Apple are 5% of the S&P 500. Each or total? Each. Okay, so that's 10% of the S&P 500. Correct. Is between Apple and uh, Microsoft. Microsoft. If you have your portfolio has a 10% position in Apple, your active share in Apple is the amount that you have less the benchmark. So 10 minus 5 equals 5. Okay, what we typically see with most portfolios is not only do they have a small active share or a very low one, meaning their weights in the portfolio against their index all cancel out. So, okay, I'll overweight Apple a little bit. I'll underweight an industrial company. And then you'll roll that all up and you'll be like, yeah, you have no active share versus the index. You're basically just the index and you're layering 
100 to 150 basis points of fees on top. So that's the active share thing. Tracking error is what the model says you're going to deviate on an annual basis. And okay. where active share goes into tracking error is the tracking error will tell you, oh, you have 3% or 4% annualized deviation versus the index. And when you explain this to people, you say, okay, the your mo- their computer says you can only deviate versus the index 3%. And well, say, let's, let's, let's take this. So if the index is up 10, is up up 10. The model says that you should be between 7 and 13. Okay. Now, here's the issue. Most of these these people will charge you 1 to 1.5%. And like I just said, they're tracking the index. And that's up or down. So okay. structurally, you're basically on average giving away what the math says. You're giving away about 70.7% uh, uh, versus the index by having a low active share and low tracking error. It's just brutal. You're just lighting money on fire. Now, the other piece of this, you could overcome this if you had decent active share and tracking here in the right places. But where most advisors steer people to overweight are stocks that have what's called a quote-unquote quality bias, which tends to be larger companies. It also tends to be stocks with lower PEs. Having a low PE isn't better than having a stock with a high PE. In fact, most of the math will tell you a high P stock typically has decent growth, and growth always beats value over time, and it's more tax efficient. Well, the value investors would would argue that, argue that. Yes, and they and unfortunately they're running into a wall of data that says they're wrong. And the problem in today's environment is if you have a quote quality value tilt, um, that means you're massively overweight industrials and financial companies. And you're underweight tech. You, it's in this type of, not only in this type of market in, environment, but in this type of economy, being overweight uh, banks and industrial companies, I'm not going to say is a recipe for disaster, but it's It's not a recipe be, for disaster. It's a certainty of disaster. And <laughs> you've got a flat yield curve and very – abnormally low interest rates. You have the banking sector. You know the only major bank that earns more than a 10% return on equity? It's J.P. Morgan. Well, you, like, would anybody in their right mind, hey, I got a business for you. Why don't you invest in this? It's 10 times levered, and even 10 times levered, its return on equity is 8.5%. No. And that's basically every bank. And that's 20 to t- that's 20% of the S&P 500. And what we see with financials is most of these portfolios that we look at that you know people get put into are actually 30% financials. And you just scratch your head and you're like, this person, and, and, and this person is underperforming and paying for the pleasure of it. And to not pivot, because the one thing, look, we said in the last segment, I have no idea when COVID gets sold. We're, we're, our base case is 2022. If you need it before 2022, we're Mm -hmm. not investing in that company. One thing we are sure of is that the COVID crisis is accelerating multiple secular changes that were ongoing. Work from home, remote working, the need for enterprise software, cloud, um, down and down e-commerce, down and down that that list. And those – and it is, you know, the – not the death of them all, but certainly, I mean, JCPenney going, uh, Potbellies is talking about going under bank, uh, Chapter 11. Uh, we're going to Pier 1 imports um, as well. Like, 
these are massive structural changes that were going to happen over, you know, four to seven years. They're happening in one. And to cling effectively to that is, I'm not going to say suicidal for your portfolio, but it is such a headwind to overcome. And we just scratch our head and say, you know, trying to figure out the right, the appropriate level of cheapness for stocks facing these massive headwinds that are on the wrong side of this thing in terms of positioning, it's basically more difficult than calling COVID. And I, I don't think anybody would look at us with a straight face and think we were credible if we said, yes, our base case is 2020 for solving the COVID crisis. Economically, we have a read on the vaccine. I mean, it's crazy. And in the same breath, you see those people that would have skepticism to that statement investing in companies because they're, quote, low P.E., that are only going to be saved from a vaccine in 2020. And so it's this, you know, cognitive dissonance, what have you. Cognitive dissonance is a fancy way of saying thinking two uh, diametrically opposed things at the same time. Um, it's also a fancy word for being married. Um, Whoa, come on. Oh, come on. It's Memorial Day and people have been cooped up and, you know, we got to throw out some of the some of these nice, nice things. Um but that's what it to, to bring it all home. That's the number one thing we see is you're paying too much for effectively a, a, back, a closet index fund. You're being charged for it. And you shouldn't be. And number two, the index they've constructed where they're deviating is actually negative for you. It's overweighting financials. It's overweighting industrials. It's overweighting malls. Um, and it's shying away from clear winners. And, you know, you, you feel bad and. You know, it, it is what it is, and the performance shows. The equal-weighted S&P, which is basically analogous to most of these portfolios, is down 17% year-to-date, which is where most value mutual funds are. And you look at the S&P regular way, which is overweight tech stocks, is only down 8. The NASDAQ 100 is up 8, uh, and the Russell 1000 growth is up 3. And this is the divergence. So we'll come back to it in the next, in the next segment, but it, happy to talk through this with anybody. Wonderful. This is Josh Arnold, Mr. Money Talk with Judd Arnold, here to answer your questions on stocks, bonds, mutual funds, what you should be doing with your retirement dollars. Don't hesitate to give us a call, 952-925-5608. Happy to sit down with you to discuss your situation. If you call 952-925-5608 or write investarnold.com. Seven texts, 2 a.m. Halfway dressed, they're all saying, Call me up. You can't sleep, you're testing me. This is Josh Arnold, Mr. Money Talk, right here on station that gives you all the news, weather, sports, and a lot of entertainment. I'm with Judd Arnold, and we're here to help help you. Uh, deal with a very interesting market environment. Do give us a call at 952-925-5608. Happy to get your questions answered or even meet with you. You always get straight talk, not sugar-coated advice. During this volatile week, uh, based on what... Um, based on the potential early on in the week of a vaccine that could 
uh, solve the COVID crisis, but finishing with concerns about China, China trade, U.S. Uh, China tensions, and even Dr. Fauci saying it's time to get back to work or there'll be more harm done uh, to the economy and even to individuals. One company, actually many companies, stood out this week, but I found it very interesting that Facebook, number one, hit a new high, but number number two said that they were introducing a shopping uh, alternative uh, that could again hurt a number of retailers or help a number of retailers, but it would definitely provide competition for many smaller e-commerce firms. And third said that they believe that homework or work at home will become permanent. Very interesting indeed this move or series of moves by Facebook that in in the face of dealing with, um, we'll say, some regulatory concerns and definitely some legal concerns and a slowing ad market. Well, the last thing you said is, is what's important, which is I, put me in the camp of it. I was skeptical of both Facebook and Google in this crisis, how they would hold up because of their exposure to advertising. And what we saw was old media, you know, your Viacoms of the world, your TV stations, print, radio, what have you, lost a ton of share to the online guys. Mm -hmm. And seeing Facebook and Google and Snap actually report growing advertising and growing earnings through this was an aha moment of, wow, these things are recession resistant. And for Facebook, what that means is the multiple is going to expand. I actually added this in size earlier in the week to my model portfolio. My target for Facebook is 400 a share. Uh, Stock's currently at about 230. How I get to 400, it's 13 and change uh, of 2022 earnings, which I think actually is probably going to be 15, but we'll stay at 13 times 30, 30 times gets you to about 400. They also have WhatsApp, which they haven't even monetized to drag on it. And that's probably worth another 10%. And you have Instagram. Well, that, that they're already monetizing now. Okay. Um, the other piece of this that's important, and this is one of the reason why the, the horsemen of the tech apocalypse, or it's really the, the tech driven apocalypse for everybody who is in a tech company. These companies check so many boxes for, things that investors like founder CEO with large stake. And now I'm right now I'm talking about Amazon and Facebook mm-hmm. who are incredibly competitive and just focused on winning. And you separate those from, you know, a Google, the founders have sort of stepped away and Google is really a story. I, I, I still haven't been able to get there just because the execution has been so spotty. The cash flow is terrible. Um, you know, they do all these moonshots and whatnot. I mean, Google needs somebody to come in there and, you know, turn this thing into a proper focused business. I mean, they are sitting on a gold mine and they just can't monetize it. Where you look at what Zuckerberg's done, 
you brought up a few of the things with shopping and whatnot. He's, he is in the category of, you know, Bezos in terms of execution. Sheryl Sandberg's great, obviously. And th- th- this was the big question. It got answered for Facebook for years, which is how does this thing sh- handle a recession? Well, it handled it unbelievably well. And now you see, you know, them playing offense. And I just said, I, I can't say no anymore. This thing's growing earnings <laughs> at, at a rapid clip. And so what you saw some of the move this week and what, it, what it's been, you know, over the last two weeks really has been the market saying we're, we're going to re-rate the multiple from a somewhat cycl- cyclically exposed stock to a non-cyclically exposed stock. Uh, it, it's, yeah, I, I'm super excited. I, I think, like I said, I, my target's 400 um, and – I actually think it's the most attractive of the MAGA uh, plus Facebook, you know, cohort right now, and it's my largest one. I, I sold well, I'll have to come up with it with a new, a new acronym, uh, you know, for for that. I can't use Fang, which was uh, Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, and Google anymore. Yeah, because that excludes Microsoft and Apple. Uh, I mean, what what have you? And I, I think part of you, you brought up valuation. Valuation, is something we get a lot. And and where I sort of reconcile myself with the valuation question is, first off, anybody who tells you they can value the entire stock market is lying to you or lying to themselves. You can't do it. It's impossible. What you can do is you can value individual stocks. And all you really need to do to be a successful investor is make three or four good decisions a year and avoid making one or two really bad ones. That's it. That's the, that's the secret. Doing nothing is often a wonderful thing to do in investing. And for me, I, it was very bit, I mean, taking Facebook larger for me than Microsoft, which has been my horse. And I think it's, I, I still believe it's the best position company out there was really driven by, you know, the market really gets the Microsoft is the best company and you're going to make money from here. But on a sizing basis, the size of my portfolio, I could no longer justify Microsoft having an outsized position versus some other things that were relatively more attractive. So I still own Microsoft, lovely position, and there, there's certain shares I'm never going to sell, um, and I hope my kids never sell. But right now, there's other things that are more attractive. And as the market sort of comes back, you're going to see attractive opportunities coming out of this dislocation for the next two to three years. And I, I think it's incumbent on the active portion of your portfolio to try to see some of that. And that's what we're attempting well, to do. Well, let me ask you something, Judd. When you talk about active portion of the portfolio, mm-hmm. okay, as an, as an example, my two largest holdings are Apple and Amazon. I would not call, I would call them more uh, oh. passive than active, primarily because I'll either, I primarily add to them and hold them. And they've been big holdings of mine for a long time. They've been big holdings, and you have a very low tax basis as well. And so for longer-tenured clients, this is a, a, a huge issue, um, and it's the, it's the best issue to have, which is <laughs> I've made a lot of money in a stock, um, and selling it triggers a tax loss and, or a taxable gain, and it makes the alternative pretty, pretty ugly. I, same thing. With Microsoft, there's a portion of my position I'm always going to hold, my core position. I'm, I'm always going to have probably – unless something radically changes in the near future. I'm always going to have a 25 to 3% position in Microsoft. Same thing with Amazon. You're always, I'm going to guess. Well, I have a, I have a much bigger, bigger percent in both Apple and Amazon. But if I made you, the lowest you would go is probably 10 to 15% in either one. 
The rest of it is a trading position. Well, I, I would. Well, whatever. You, you made me. No, I, I would. I would still keep them as major, major positions. I mean, even even the value in the famed value investor uh, Warren Buffett uh, of Berkshire Hathaway has got a thirty percent position in in Apple. Yeah. Or it's become a thirty percent position in Apple. Not the right. I mean, he's doubled it in that, and he's lost money in some other things. Yeah. So your core. I guess the point is the core holdings. They're great. I'm going to hold them for a while, but. The opportunity, especially in this market, and I think that's what's different. In a normal market, the 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 rationale for tactically trading is way lower. In this market, oh, it's just I'm not a kid at a candy store. I'm a I'm an adult and a and I. No, like just leave it. You're a kid in the can, candy store, and you're not in the candy store down in Jordan, Minnesota, though. That is a really nifty. Uh, can candy store. Say this is Josh Arnold, Mr. Money Talk with Judd Arnold, here to answer your questions on stocks, bonds, mutual funds, what you should be doing with your retirement dollars. Do give us a call at 952-925-5608. That's 952-925-5608. We'll be happy to sit down with you and give you a second opinion on your investment portfolio, including your IRA or 401k. Looking forward to talking to you. This is Josh Arnold, Mr. Money Talk, with Judd Arnold, here to answer your questions on stocks, bonds, mutual funds, what you should be doing with your retirement dollars. Do give us a call at 952-925-5608. That's 952-925-5608 or investarnold.com. Before we go into our final segment, I do want to... Wish you all a pleasant Memorial Day. Want to thank all who have served and make a um, brief comment that every Memorial Day since um, 1970, I have thought of my classmate, uh, Bill Comley, who unfortunately was killed in action in Vietnam in April of 1970. And I'll say wish him well wherever he is. Uh, Billy always wanted to be a Marine from the time I first knew him in fourth grade till the time we graduated High school, he was an early enlistee and uh, earned numerous awards while in the, in the Marines. Godspeed, uh, Billy Comley. We normally, Judd, talk, talk about technology companies, 
but there are a lot of other companies that have offered uh, plenty of potential, uh, we'll say, in the stay-at-home, work-at-home um, portfolio that I have been favoring uh, and has done well in this, this market environment. I am not a pet owner, but my girlfriend is not only a pet owner, she also fosters large dogs. I'd say she's a leader of the animal community. Um, well, I'd, I'd call her a husky whisperer. So to, um, but pets, yes. But and pets, pets are pets are big, and pet. people staying at home have gotten to know their pets very well. And in dealing with pets, you have to—I'm not going to say clothe them, but you definitely have to feed them, take care of them, and that has become a very big business. Huge business. Pets is a mega trend. Uh, it's companionship, and you know, in an increasingly isolated world. Uh, pet spending is growing at almost double-digit rates. Um, and anytime we see double-digit growth in anything, that's someplace that we want to be. Uh, Chewy was a large position for me last year, uh, and into the early part of this year. I, you know, I, I I'm not ashamed to say you should still be in. Chewy. I should still be in it. The way I mean, I made money, and I, I feel like I, I got robbed. I left way, way more on the, on the table. Um, Chewy is basically the Amazon of, of pets. What they do, what's very fascinating about that stock, about I think it's 80, 90 percent of their revenue is auto ship, meaning you fill it out and they just send you more stuff every, every week, every month. Um, very nice recurring revenue business. Um, the negative about that, their owner uh, is is a private company that was part of a leverage buyout, needs to sell. Uh, more stock to uh, delever the company. I thought that would be an overhang, and it was for about 30 seconds, and then <laughs> it kept going. Uh, my biggest pet position today is a company called CVET, ticker C-V-E-T. It came out of Henry Shine, H-S-I-C, which is a medical and formerly veterinary distribution company. So CVET has two pieces. They, they distribute uh, drugs and equipment, to vets across the country, they buy this equipment from OEMs, original equipment manufacturers, or drug companies, and their value is warehousing those assets on their balance sheets. So they have a big working capital balance, and having a large sales force to meet with all the vets in the country, so the OEMs don't have to have a sales force. It wouldn't make sense for every vet products company to have a one thousand to two thousand person sales force. You use a company like CVet to help you reach all the vets. They make very low margin. They just make that margin a, a lot um, as they cycle through their inventory multiple times. The other piece of the business is a business called Vets First Choice, which is an online vet pharmacy, which is the interesting piece and what, ma what makes this fascinating to me. So the stock came out of Henry Schein, originally listed at $50 a share, mm -hmm. massive execution problems, CEO over-promised, under-delivered, and- Stock is down, what, at 15? Before COVID, it went from 50 to 15, but at the depths of COVID, it went to five and a half. It's back to 15 now. They got an investment two weeks ago from uh, Clayton Dublier and Rice, which is a large private equity firm, which already owned a decent-sized stake in the company. Mm -hmm. They got a $250 million preferred stock investment at $12 a share. Nice vote of confidence. And importantly, the Vets First Choice business, which is a SaaS software-type business, which can trade at a nosebleed multiple, 
surprise, surprise, in a COVID right. world, you got a lot of vets who couldn't meet people face to face, transitioned their um their clients, their pay I don't know. If what is the human in a vet relationship? You know, if I go to if I have a, am I a am I a customer or am I a I'm not a patient. My, no, my, you're 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 just there. I <laughs> I, you're you're the you're loco, the person who pays the bill. Yeah, in loco parentis. I never. Well, it's not even, in loco parentis because you're not their parent. I'm the, well. I'm the vet's parent. Well, the dog's parent. Well, either no, you're way, not. E- either you're right. They're my parent. Um, well. And typically, that's that's where the institution is acting as as your your parent. Sure. Well, what we saw in any event is vets' first choice really accelerated growth about seventy percent as more vets. Uh, logged onto the service and started using that. And so basically you're getting the software piece at a very low price. You're paying about eight times uh, earnings for the distribution business, which is a fine business and uh, on its own. Um, and you're getting this online piece for, for a song. Uh, my target on that's the stock's 15. My multi-year target's 35. Um, and just see a nice tailwind. And I think the other thing that's interesting about CVET is the, you have the potential for a massive breakout where it, it, when you think about stocks that can be overvalued, not that we bake this into a base case, but if this thing starts working, I mean, it checks all the boxes for most investors, which is the charts friendly. And what I mean is people are going to say, wow, we went from 50 to bounced off five. Now it's 15. I got a lot of ways to make money back. So it's attractive to the value investors. It's also on an earnings basis, unlike because of the distribution business, it doesn't look silly. Um, and you have this nice software business attached to it with the secular trend of pets. And I, I think what this all wraps into is just I, I know we talk a lot about the tech stocks and they are large parts of our portfolio. But I'd say our other value add is are some of these more niche names that clients are always surprised when they get the first statement. They see what we what we bought for them and they say, you guys are you guys are different. What what is this thing? <laughs> um, I, I have a view on Google and. Um, yeah, you can create a lot of value with these names. So um, it's tech, it's pets, it's at a fair valuation today, and in my and you got well, that that fits everything. Fits every. I mean, it's it's. It, it, I'm surprised I'm not making more money already. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, we're excited about that one and many others. It's been, have a great Memorial Day. This is Josh Arnold, Mr. Money Talk with Judd Arnold. Always happy to help you. And do a better job of managing your money. Should you want to meet with us to discuss your investment portfolio, including your IRA and 401k, don't hesitate to give us a call. 952-925-5608. That's 952-925-5608. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.